I've had people who had really bad rosacea and low vitamin D and then uh, normalizing their vitamin D level completely fixed their rosacea and they didn't need to use any other medical treatment for the rosacea. I've seen people comment that they're, they're not getting sick as often with kind of colds and all with optimal vitamin D. Welcome to the Empowered Podcast, where we bring you expert clinical perspectives on the latest health data and wellness trends. Each week, we'll cut through the noise and answer your unanswered health questions, helping you take control of your everyday well-being. What's up, friends? This is the Empowered Podcast. I'm Austin. I'm with Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hey, Austin. How's it going? Fantastic. So what's new? What's going on? Well, we've got Travis here today again, and we're so excited. We always like picking his brain about the latest topics. And, you know, what what are we talking about today, Austin? Great question. So I was thinking because it's spring and uh, everybody's trying to increase their uh, exposure outside to the sunlight to get their vitamin D levels up, I thought we could talk about that. It sounds great. It's a little chilly here, but the sun's out. So I completely agree. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. And so we'll be talking with Travis, like you said, and, and Travis, thanks for being on. Super appreciate it. Oh yeah. Great. Great to be with you guys. And a reminder for anybody who hasn't met Travis, he is a practicing physician out of Charleston, South Carolina, and he's the medical director of Empowered DX. So all around super smart guy. We are lucky to have him. So uh, Travis, first, let's just start basic. What is vitamin D? So vitamin D is interesting. So everybody calls it a vitamin, but it's really more of a hormone. And so it operates as a hormone throughout the body. Um, and everybody thinks of it, you know, that it, it helps bones grow and, and it, which it does, it, it's important for that, but it does so many other things. And we're just starting to barely understand all the, all the different things that uh, vitamin D does as a hormone to, to keep us healthy in a lot of different ways. Wait a sec. So why do we call it a a vitamin if it's a hormone? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, history kind of leaves us with all kinds of strange things. So vitamin, so vitamins are technically vital amines. And so um, that's where the word vitamin comes from. And so uh, that's a specific group of, of chemicals um, that uh, that exist that are, are vital that we need to live. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure why, uh, you know, why vitamin D hasn't been changed other than the fact that things just kind of stick around for a long time. But vitamin D is absolutely a hormone. I mean, it, it is much more realistic to think about it as a hormone than to think about it as a vitamin, even though it is essential. So, you know, you could, uh, that's probably the most vitamin thing about it is that you have to have vitamin D to live. Gotcha. So that's, I'm, I'm assuming that's what essential means is you can't produce it naturally in your body. So you have to get it from things. Right. Exactly. Okay. Even though vitamin D is kind of interesting because you do produce it in your body, you just can't produce it without sunlight. Got it. Oh, it's so easier for sunshine. Yes. Yeah, so like the sunshine causes a reaction in the skin um, where uh, where cholesterol is actually converted to uh, to vitamin D. But you can't you can't convert cholesterol to vitamin D without sunlight. Well, how much does the sun actually convert? Is it different per person? Does it? matter what skin tone you have. I mean, I'm very fair skin, so I'm just wondering. I'm yeah, constantly. <laughs> yeah. So the, the fairer your skin, the, the more readily you'll, uh, you'll convert vitamin D. 
But you got a couple other things too. Different spectrums uh, generate different amounts of vitamin D. So being in the sun in the middle of the day is going to generate more vitamin D and then surface areas. So I think one of the big problems with, with, um, with uh, expecting to get vitamin D from, from the sun uh, when people are like, well, I'm outside all day long is that you wear clothes outside and, and, and the majority of your, of your body surface area is covered by clothes. And even with that, I mean, I, I really am not a big fan of getting vitamin D from the sun uh, because if you get vitamin D from the sun, you're also getting all the damaging effects that cause skin cancer um, and, and aging of skin, which I think is, uh, is a bad trade-off in, in the modern world where vitamin D is so cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always heard that you just get outside for, you know, 15, 30 minutes. So you have a majority of your body ex- of what is it? 40, 60% exposed to be able to get uh, sufficient vitamin D. Is that sound about right, Travis? Yeah, but I, well, it, it was sufficient is a tough thing because w- one thing that's hard is like, once people become deficient, uh, once their vitamin D levels become low, it's really hard to play catch up with sunlight exposure. Um, it's, I mean, your, your body can make an incredible amount of vitamin D from, from um, sunlight exposure, but like once you're, once you've got this big deficit, like once you're down low, it's hard to pull out of that with sun exposure and, you know, 40 to 60% of, um, of surface areas. Like, I mean, I don't know how many people get that for 15 minutes a day, every day. I, I don't, I don't know if you guys do, if you go and do podcasts out in the, uh, <laughs> you know, half naked in the, in your yard. <laughs> Not usually, no. <laughs> yeah, the neighbors don't like that. HOA is, is kind no. of against that. It's in the, in the rules. So question, I want to back up a little bit. Um, higher level view. Why the heck should people care about vitamin D though? I mean, we're talking about it, um, cholesterol to vitamin D, but then what? I mean, if, if you're deficient in it, should anybody care? I mean, I feel like everybody assumes, say, I'm probably pretty good in vitamin D because I go out in the sunlight sometimes. So I don't worry about it. What would you say to that? Yeah, I, I think that um, I think that vitamin D is completely underappreciated. I think that one of the big things about it is we we don't exactly know what vitamin D does. There's all this. There's been speculation for a long time about different things with vitamin D. So there's been speculation that low vitamin D is tied to um, multiple sclerosis, which is why you see multiple sclerosis at higher lo- at higher levels in uh, in um, in colder areas of the world. There's been all these different associations with different diseases. And I think that the problem is, is like, you know, I can't go and, and, and give you like some harsh guidelines. It's like, if you have low vitamin D, you will get this disease, this disease, this disease. And, and we're, we're, it's just a matter of, of, um, you know, there just hasn't been enough studies, but I, when you look at the correlation data, I mean, vitamin D has been correlated with so many things. Um, low vitamin D, obviously bone health is a, is a big deal, but also heart health and, um, um, immune system function and gut health. I mean, all for, and brain function. I mean, everything seems to require vitamin D. I mean, there, there is a, there is a function for vitamin D in every cell in the body. And because it's so, it, it's so ubiquitous, it's hard to, it's hard to go study what that means. I mean, just from that, I want to take some vitamin D right now. Yeah, how do I get um, <laughs> What should our levels be and how does someone get tested? Yeah, so so vitamin D levels are tricky because um, 
So what is optimal? And, and optimal probably depends a lot for different people on different factors. Um, there, there's, a, there's a new whole world of research that's happening right now with vitamin D receptors, um, which is basically genetically like what, what vitamin D receptor do you have? And how does that then interact with vitamin D that comes into your body? So your cell has the receptor that then identifies vitamin D and pulls it into the cell. And it seems like there is a relationship for different people on the vitamin D receptor and the vitamin D. And so I, I think that over the next couple of years, we'll understand a lot more about vitamin D receptors, and then we'll probably be able to give more tailored advice for specific levels for different people. Um, I, when you look at what's considered low by most lab reference range standards, it's usually less than 30 is, um, is low. Um, and, and then importantly, vitamin D can be too high because it is a fat soluble uh, substance. So it, it definitely can, can um, supersaturate the body and become too high. And then that can lead to issues as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's largely it's dependent on the person. So most guidelines say that over 30 is good. I usually um, push people to be at least over 40 and often over 50. And then in certain disease states, um, we, we, you know, even higher than that. And sometimes if you understand their, um, their vitamin D receptor, uh, receptor genetics, then it's, uh, it's worthwhile to kind of take a more tailored individual approach. That makes that sense. Makes so for, sense. for testing for now, so if, if, if we're not getting into the receptors and we just wanted the level, you're saying at least 30 or higher, uh, no, I would say at least 40. I mean, least I would 40. say like across the line, like 30 is like a reference range, but I would say that for everybody to try to hit 40 is sort of, is sort of a good hedge. Um, you know, I, I don't think everyone needs to push themselves, you know, to the top end of the range. Um, but I think at least 40 is where you want to be. Okay. 40 so noted. And how often should we be testing? So that depends on, on a lot of different factors. I mean, it depends on how steady you are. So if you're like new to the vitamin D thing and you're just starting to think about it, then I'd say you probably want to check every three months as you're kind of, as you're trying to balance out dosing. So like if you, um, it, you know, if you, if you go get a vitamin D test and your, and your vitamin D levels low and you start taking vitamin D over the counter, let's say you take vitamin D3, 2000 IU daily, which is a really common dose that's really easy to find and it's it's very cheap um, and d3 is the, the the most optimal form of, of vitamin d to take um, in terms of absorption and function um, you know you definitely would want to check that in three months and see how much did you move the needle did you move to you know did you move up five points or six points or 20 points um, and then you may have to adjust dosing and all based on that. But I would say every three months until you get to a good level, once you get to a good level, then you can back off to every six months and then you can just kind of keep an eye on it. Cause every six months you'll kind of, you'll kind of be able to then pick up on any seasonal change too, that happens from uh, changes in sun exposure. I do have some people who, you know, really want to need to be checked kind of, uh, you know, mid winter and make sure that they're not dropping off tremendously if they were reliant more on sun exposure than they realized. Yeah, that's good advice. Um, as a medical doc doctor, who do you recommend gets tested and what age? And are there certain signs that we should be looking for um, to even start testing for vitamin D? Yeah, there's a little bit of controversy here. There's a lot of recommendations against universal testing. 
um, I, uh, for vitamin D. I think most of this is cost based. Um, you know, a lot of things in medicine are are what is the what what is the cash value yield of doing a test, and um, and I think that that's kind of not the best way to look at individual health. And so, to me, I um, I routinely test every patient um, at least annually. Uh, at a at a routine physical, um, but that gets tricky sometimes with people because vitamin D is often not covered by insurance, and uh, when lab prices can get very high when things aren't covered by insurance, um, you know, in a model that's not set up for for um, for cash pay systems. Um, but I, I think it's important that every individual get tested at least once a year. Uh, you know, to keep an eye on vitamin D levels and to, to know where they're at, especially, I mean, I, I, I think of it as, I mean, I keep up with all this, all this information that's constantly flooding out on vitamin D and there's so much stuff that's constantly flooding out that, I mean, I take vitamin D myself, I check my level. I, um, I, I give my wife vitamin D. I give my kids vitamin D. I mean, I am, I, I am definitely practicing what I preach here. I mean, I, I, I think that it's a disservice, um, you know, to, to patients to not offer, um, you know, the same level of, of uh, care that I'm giving myself and my family. Yeah, that's powerful. So to dig a little deeper as to why we should get tested, I want to do a quick fact check with you, Travis. So, is it true that if if I'm experiencing symptoms like my muscles are aching, my lower back hurts, I feel weak, I'm fatigued or tired more than I feel like I should be, um, I'm depressed, I, I feel like I'm not healing properly from an injury as fast as I used to, maybe I'm uh, I've been getting sick too often, um, would those be reasons that... I'm low in vitamin D. So I'd give a hard maybe. I mean, I so that I th I think that it's important to realize like vitamin D is not a cure all. Um, it, it's not it, it's not a magical pill that's going to make everything go away. I, so I can tell you anecdotally through thousands of patients, I've seen vitamin D do all kinds of things that I didn't expect it to do. Um, or had limited expectation for it to do. I mean, I, I've had people with heart palpitations um, who had extremely low vitamin D levels and vitamin D supplementation a few months after their heart palpitations are gone. Um, I've had people who had really bad rosacea and low vitamin D and then, um, you know, normalizing their vitamin D level completely fixed their rosacea and they didn't need to use any other medical treatment for the rosacea. Um, immune function, I, I've seen, I've seen people, you know, comment that they're, they're not getting sick as often with kind of colds and all with optimal vitamin D. Um, aches and pains. I've, I've seen that. I've seen mood go, um, mood go up, you know, with and without antidepressants on board, um, improvement in mood with, um, with vitamin D supplementation. So I've seen all of these things throughout the spectrum, but I don't think it's, I don't think you can take, um, uh, the, like, I don't think you can make the same conclusion of like, if you have a headache and you take a Tylenol, your headache goes away. You, you don't want to approach it in that way. I think you have to approach it more holistically where vitamin D could be a contributor and there's no reason to not optimize vitamin D and see if it has an impact on things that maybe you weren't, weren't even expecting it to have an impact on. 
Travis, um, if someone was going to take it over the counter, what form of vitamin D do you recommend? So I always recommend vitamin D3, and I always recommend for it to be in a gel capsule um, because uh, in gel capsule, it'll be like in an oil uh, emulsification, like in an oil. Uh, and so you, uh, you, you will absorb it much better in that sense than if you absorb it from um, from a, a powdered source. Uh, and I see that a lot actually with people who take, you know, I, I'll, I'll tell people, well, you know, your vitamin D is really low. And they're like, well, I take vitamin D every day. And I'm like, well, what vitamin D do you take? And they're like, well, there's a vitamin D in my multivitamin. And there is, but in the, in the powdered form, which most vitamin, uh, most multivitamins are powdered. Um, you, you just don't, people don't seem to absorb it as well as they do from that oil uh, form. And so I would say, look for vitamin D3, look for a gel cap um, and look for a USP seal. Um, USP stands for United States Pharmacopeia. And it's a, they're basically a, um, an organization that certifies that if it says vitamin D3 2000 IU, there is actually vitamin D3 2000 IU in the, in the pill. And, um, and that's probably important to note. So the vitamin D comes in IU, which stands for international unit. It doesn't, it typically doesn't come at like milligram, microgram, which people are more familiar with. That's great advice. And I have to ask, what about vitamin D gummies? <laughs> are those for you or for your kids? <laughs> maybe me. I don't know. Maybe my kids. <laughs> so usually the vitamin D gummies have the oil in them. They're kind of like because they're like the gelatin based stuff. Um, I think it might depend specifically on which gummies. But I mean, the good, you know, the, the good thing about testing is, you know, you can trial and error. So like you could take you can take the gummies consistently. Um, take it for a few months and then test and see, did it, did it do what it was supposed to do? And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, within that, I have had people who take, you know, high quality vitamin D in a gel cap and, um, and uh, their vitamin D levels don't move at all. And some people do seem to have absorption issues with vitamin D. Um, and with those people there, you have to kind of get creative and find different things. There's, there's forms of liposomal vitamin D, uh, which comes with like a mouse spray um, that's sometimes easier absorbed. So, I mean, so if, if you, you do have to think that through, like if you, if you try multiple high quality supplements and your, your vitamin D level is not going up, there's something wrong with absorption. And then you got to look for, you know, different mechanisms of absorption for the vitamin D. That definitely answers my question. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. So I think we're... Aaron's not giving up her gummies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can. That's fantastic. Uh, you're going to have to share in the notes uh, what kind of gummies you take and... I know. I will. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're about out of time, folks. So uh, to, to wrap up, a few takeaways. Sounds like, Travis, you're saying everyone should get a vitamin D test right now. To see their get a baseline level, see where they're at, and if the level's below forty, then they should consider what getting out in the sun a little bit more. But you know, be careful of uh, too much exposure. So I tell, well, I tell people all the time. 
don't count on the on the sun for vitamin D. I mean, I'm a big fan of. Uh, I mean, I so skin cancer to me is one of the scariest things, and so um, I am a big fan of barrier methods um, to prevent the sun, in addition to mineral-based sunscreens. But barrier methods like big, um, you know, big hats and um, and and shirts that have SPF in them, and yeah, I'm I am uh, <laughs> yeah. I am anti-vitamin D from sunlight. So I would say I, I would tell people barrier yourself as much as you can from the sun and uh, keep your keep your skin um, keep your skin young and healthy uh, from that regardless of your skin color and uh, and and let's just go about it in a supplement kind of way I mean you can get small amounts of vitamin D from your diet too but I definitely wouldn't count on that I mean the main sources of vitamin D from the diets like organ meat um, eggs mushrooms um, you know, things that, that people don't eat that much of. So, I mean, the supplements are not that bad. I mean, I, I think I, I pay, I pay probably less than $10 every few months for, for vitamin D supplements. So it's, yeah, uh, so cheap. You know, it, it's the, I think it's the way to go. I mean, high quality vitamin D is, is extremely affordable. Okay. So the, so new takeaway, if your vitamin D levels are below 40, Probably not sunlight, but consider taking supplement. Talk to their doctor about the right dose, and hopefully it'll make a huge difference. I mean, the stories you're sharing are wild, right? I mean, to fix a bunch of different symptoms and issues that could be happening as a result of low vitamin D. So, yeah, I mean, my approach with it is usually like with patients, it's like, look, don't let me put something in your head. Um, about what to expect why don't you take it and then you tell me uh what um you know what happened yeah perfect travis thank you so much we always appreciate your information definitely yep. great talking to you guys thanks for listening to the empowered podcast your trusted advisor for all things health and wellness for more information on how you can take control of your health visit empowerdxlab.com or follow us on twitter facebook Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you next time. Until then, stay empowered.